0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. Thanks, guys. Well, this morning, if you're visiting us, you're joining us today, you've kind of jumped in uh, three weeks into a series that we've been looking at called Spring Cleaning. And this series, uh, really our focus and our heart has been about looking at some of the the junk, the clutter that can so easily get into our hearts that restrict the flow of God's love and power and grace into our lives. Um, We've been looking at dealing with footholds is a word we've been using, which is from Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul uses this word to talk about giving the devil space, opportunity, room to move in our lives. And we've talked about how we can allow things into the spiritual part of our life that can bring bondage into every area of our life, whether it's mentally, whether it's spiritual attack, whether it's emotional issues, relational issues, financial issues, physical ailments that we just can't seem to shake or break free from. We will begin to Consider maybe there's a spiritual root behind all of that, a foothold that we've allowed the devil, the enemy, to have access and influence and harassment in our life through um, an opening or an opportunity that we've given him. Last week, we talked about what I said was probably one of the hardest footholds to recognize in our own lives and in our own hearts, and that's pride. And we talked about how pride blinds us to its own existence. Um, And we tell ourselves that pride is a problem that everybody else has because we're really humble people. Um, And we talked about how it can be really difficult to recognize and identify pride in our own hearts. And we, we've been encouraging people to make the most of our reflection times at the end of these services to really sit uh, uh, alone in, in your own thoughts with God and allow the Holy Spirit to to speak and identify and put His finger on the things that He's really wanting us to address um, and allow Him the freedom into every part of our hearts to, I guess, search us. And I encourage you to do that today. And we talked about the importance of even uh, confession and the part that that plays. And we've encouraged you to, to find a friend or a, or a leader or, or a godly person that you respect and look up to, that you can share and talk about the things that God's putting on your heart and pray those things through. And the importance of that, according to James 5. And we also want to uh, encourage you to make the most of our times at the end of the service if you need prayer for the things that God puts on your heart to receive that prayer and ministry. And again, I want to encourage you today if you feel God's really kind of dealing with some deep stuff in your heart to, to come and, and receive that prayer and ministry today. So if last week was the hardest foothold to see in our lives, this week I want to talk about what I think is the hardest foothold for us to face And that's the foothold of pain, pain, grief, loss, pain. Um, And this can come to us in lots of different ways. Uh, We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's characterized by suffering, by war, by disease, by sickness, by death, uh, by all kinds of really terrible, evil things. And it can come into our lives through some of those big events that happen in the world that we get caught up in as a victim of. Uh, many of you have come from countries where war has ravaged your country at one point or another. I come from Sri Lanka where one of the reasons I came to Australia is because of the civil war that broke out and, and we lost everything. And I've told you this story of how you know, we had to flee for our lives and, and the impact that that has on a 15-year-old in terms of trauma that can come. And many of you have experienced things like that, that that you had no part in, that you were just caught up in, and you were part of something else that was going on in your family, or your country, or your community, or your church, and you became a victim of that somehow. But I think the pain that strikes us the deepest is the pain that comes at the hands of those we love the most, our parents, our fathers and mothers, so many of us carry wounds in our hearts from our fathers and from our mothers. It's the pain that comes through Christian leaders, pastors, people you've trusted, people who are supposed to represent the love of God to you. And that pain can come through careless words, harsh words, Things like you'll never amount to anything, you're a loser, you're a failure. It can come through much more profound ways, through emotional abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse. It can come in the most horrific ways. And I I said to you this series was going to be difficult. And this is probably going to be one of the hardest ones for you, for me, for all of us. But I want us to go there because I believe that pain and grief and wounds that fester in our hearts can bring bondage into our lives. There's a story told about a man who was shot and the bullet was lodged deep inside him. And he went to get treatment after treatment after treatment. And no matter what the doctors did with all the probing around and all the digging around, they could not get the bullet out. And eventually he died. But interestingly, he died not because of a direct cause relating to the bullet. He died from all the poking around and the infection that came into that open wound. Wounds, if we don't address them, if we don't bring them before God, can be the death of us. And so I know for some of us, some of these things, these hurts, this abuse, this rejection, this pain has been so strong that we've buried it so deep in our hearts. Maybe it happened so long ago in our childhood that we've repressed it and buried it so deep that we don't even remember it. And we like it that way. And we want to keep it that way. And like I said to you when we began this series, I don't want us to go looking for things. I want us to bring our hearts to God and say, God, is there stuff you want me to deal with right now? Am am I ready to deal with this right now? And trust that if he brings things to your mind, then he believes you're ready and it's necessary for you to deal with that now. In whatever level and whatever capacity you're able to deal with that. But maybe for some others of you, you, you know the wound. You know the pain. You know exactly what I'm talking about right now. It's already in your mind and you know the offense, the hurt, the wound that has crippled you and bound you for so long. And you've been working through it and you've been dealing with it. And I encourage you, don't stop because healing comes in layers. And maybe today God is wanting to take you deeper in that journey of bringing healing and wholeness to you. You know, the number one way I think that the enemy brings bondage into our lives through pain is through unforgiveness. Through unforgiveness and grief that is not dealt with. We get stuck in grief and that can come because we lost a loved one and we're angry and we're bitter and there's rage inside of us. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, and this is a profound verse where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he, in the first letter, he's told them to deal with a, a terrible case of incest and abuse that's happening in the church, and in, in this letter, he's talking about you know, what I believe is to address that same situation, and he's talking about this person that's caused grief to many in that church, and he's talking about forgiveness, and listen to what he says, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent that's pain not to put it too severely the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient he's talking about church discipline that was exercised now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him why so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow one reason next slide I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him Another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And here's the key phrase. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul is connecting the idea of a satanic strategy and and a a scheme that can come into our life if we hold on to unforgiveness. And he's saying, if you hold on to it, you're opening yourself up to the devil's schemes. Don't, Don't fall into that trap. In Ephesians 4, we talked about this verse as we began, when we found this word in there about footholds, that word that Paul uses is in the context of anger and bitterness. And he says these things, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. There's that verse. And as he continues on, verse 30 and 32, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness, powerful, difficult, hard. And I want to talk to you just briefly about some of the symptoms of unforgiveness, lest you are wondering, do I have unforgiveness in my heart? How do I know if I have unforgiveness in my heart? Well, hopefully some of these symptoms, again, they're not conclusive and absolute and you know I won't describe every one of you but hopefully if there's something there you can recognize it and these are some of the symptoms one strong feelings of anger rage bitterness anxiety shame around the incident or around the people that were the offenders strong feelings that are still there a second one could be blaming them—that you're constantly blaming other people and, and these offenders and holding them responsible for everything that has happened to your life. Everything bad, everything that I, that you're you're kind of saying, everything about my life is because of you and what you did to me. Being the victim of something that that has happened and you're still blaming people for that. Thirdly, it could be uh, it could be holding on to resentment and bitterness towards the offender, where there's a deep sense of rage, bitterness in your heart. Uh, Fourthly, it could uh, could show up as constantly replaying the situation in your mind over and over again of how you were hurt and how you were wronged and and you just replay it like a video that goes on in your mind and in your heart and you see it over and over and over again and sometimes it just grows and grows and grows. Another one might be just a feeling of being stuck and unable to move on. You just kind of (laughs) froze in time somewhere in the past. And a part of you kind of died and you feel stuck there. Another one might be where you really want something from the offender before you can move on, whether that's a recognition of the wrong that was done, whether that was an apology, whether that is some kind of restitution, where you're saying, I I can't let go of this, I can't move on unless they do X, Y, and Z. And, And maybe it shows up in, a constant preoccupation, a fixation with the, with the offender. You can't stop thinking about them. No matter how hard you try, they're in your head and they're in your thoughts and they're in your heart. You, you're kind of constantly wondering what they're doing and who else they might be hurting and, and you're just fixating, fixating, or the opposite extreme where you avoid them like the plague. Where you can't even be in the same space or the same room or even the same time zone. And maybe you recognize yourself in some of these things. I want to also qualify some things here, because sometimes we can have a wrong understanding about forgiveness. I want to say to you that forgiveness is not forgetting. Like sometimes we hear the saying, forgive and forget. Forgiveness is a very separate process to forgetting, or acting as though it never happened. A great illustration of this is like when you drive a nail into a piece of timber, when you take the nail out, that's like forgiveness, but the hole might still be there for a long, long time. And just because the hole is there doesn't mean you haven't taken the nail out. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I, if I've really forgiven them, then I, I won't remember or I won't. No, it doesn't m- mean that. The second qualification is that forgiveness does not necessarily require reconciliation. Because if the person that abused you is unrepentant, is toxic, is an abuser, then you forgiving them does not require you to be back in relationship with them and act as though nothing ever happened. Trust is not required just because forgiveness has been given. Trust still needs to be earned. Thirdly, I want to say to you that forgiveness is not a one-off event. It's not something that you just do today and you're done and you're all good. Forgiveness is like an onion that gets peeled layer after layer after layer. Because you know, you can only forgive for what you know right now. You can't forgive someone for a consequence that you're going to discover in five years time. And one day you go, oh my goodness, I'm doing this or this consequence or this thing in my family now is because of that event. And I need to forgive for that now. It's a process. It's a journey. It's it's an ongoing process of deeper and deeper healing and and layer upon layer of forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. The last kind of explanation and qualification is this idea that forgiveness has a vertical and a horizontal component. What do I mean by that? The biblical... Forgiveness primarily, and we'll talk about the other, but primarily is the vertical thing where you let go. You release that person and, and, and the, the offender before God and say, God, I release them to have any control over my present. Or I release them for the past hurt and abuse and wound, and I release them from having any power over my present. So often when we think think about forgiving someone, we think about the horizontal, where you need to go and have a conversation with someone and say, I forgive you. That's not what I'm talking about here, because sometimes that can make things worse. Especially if you're expecting something, and they say, for what? Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you letting something go before God. The best example of this for me is Jesus on the cross. When he says to the Father, not to the people, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, are those people going to be in heaven? I don't know. But they're not going to be in heaven because Jesus forgave them before the Father. They're going to be in heaven. If they repent of their sin and ask Jesus to forgive them, there's a difference. What we're talking about today is you coming before God and saying, God, I want to release them. I want to break any power that they have over my life, my story. And I want to keep doing that. I want to keep being healed and keep being whole. And one day, if that person ever comes to me in recognition of what they've done to me, and they ask me to forgive them, then that's a different conversation. You see, the reason why we, we need to take this so seriously is because Jesus uses very, very serious language when he talks about resolving stuff, dealing with stuff dealing with unforgiveness. Matthew 5 is a good example. He's talking about the context of murder. He says in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Keep that word in mind. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister out of complete disdain, rakah, or you, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. I don't know if that scares you. That's pretty serious. Or in Matthew 6, where Jesus is teaching about the Lord's Prayer, and he he talks about uh, forgiveness in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. And look at this line, but deliver us from the evil one. He's talking about the enemy's work in our life. And then the very next verse, 14, there's a four which connects what he's about to say with what he's just said in the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive other people, he's linking forgiveness to deliverance from the evil one and to everything else in the prayer, that forgiveness plays such a central role in our relationship with God as our Father. And he goes on to say very, very bluntly, if you don't forgive, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then Matthew 18 the famous parable of the unmerciful servant, Jesus expands on forgiveness in great detail, trying to help his disciples understand, is there a limit to forgiveness? And Jesus pretty much says, look, forgiveness is infinite. We keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. And he says this towards the end of that story, when the the servant that has been forgiven so, so much can't forgive a fellow servant what is in in comparison a pittance. And he says this in verse 32, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. If we stop there, that's not so bad. But this next verse is terrifying. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. All of these passages talk about bondage, imprisonment, slavery, torture terrible, horrible things that unforgiveness brings. And you know, this, this idea is being picked up by secular society. Now there's so many psychologists and counsellors and doctors are now connecting even cancer and physical ailments and all kinds of things to roots of unforgiveness. The, you do a Google search on you know, the health impacts of unforgiveness and you'll find article after article in really respected journals and sources about how unforgiveness can bind us in so many ways. So, how do we do this? I don't know your story, but I know that all of us have a story. And there's pain there, and there's grief, and there's rejection, and there's abuse, and there's probably anger and rage, hatred. the only way God can expect us to do this work is because of the gospel is because of his grace which is why in the two New Testament passages in Ephesians and in Colossians where forgiveness is commanded by Paul he in both instances links it to the gospel he says forgive as the Lord has forgiven you forgive as as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, if we don't get that, forgiveness remains an impossibility for us that we will never attain in our own strength, which is how really we need to understand those really scary passages in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 and Matthew 18. Unforgiveness is not the unforgivable sin. What Jesus is trying to get at is that if we have truly received and understand in our hearts what God has done for us in Christ, if we truly understand how much we've offended and hurt and abused and rejected God in our words and our behavior and action, and how much he has canceled our debt and forgiven us, then Jesus would say, well, how can you withhold that grace and forgiveness and generosity to anyone else? And maybe if you're really struggling with unforgiveness, maybe it's that you're yet to discover and you need to enlarge your heart and appreciate more what God in Christ has done for you. And really appreciate the overwhelming love and compassion that God has for you. And as you do that, maybe, maybe you can come to a place of being willing to let go. Let go. So let me ask you some questions. Will you bring your heart to God today in the midst of the pain? Will you bring your heart to the one who said that the spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted and to set the oppressed free? Will you bring your heart to the one who experienced incredible pain incredible rejection, incredible abuse from the very people he created and loved so dearly up on a wooden cross as he bore your sin and mine. Will you bring your heart to that one who is the shepherd of our soul, who knows us more than anybody else, who understands us and gets us and as Hebrews reminds us, empathizes with our brokenness and our weakness and our pain. He gets us. Will you bring your heart to him? And will you bring your unforgiveness to him and ask for his forgiveness and begin a journey of walking through your pain because it's not going to go away just because you did this today. But I believe that God wants to do a decisive work today, a monumental crossroads moment for you, that God wants to free you from the pain and the power that that event, those Hurt have to continue to ruin your present and your future god wants something better for you he wants to pull out the thorn he wants to pull out that bullet so that you can heal and begin a journey of living in the fullness of life and love and joy and freedom that jesus wants you to know and have will you bring your heart as risky and as scary and as terrifying as that might be for you because you see a better future why don't you bow your heads Close your eyes. We're going to pray a corporate prayer of confession and repentance. But before we do that, I just really felt to say that whatever was done to you was wrong. And it was evil. And it was horrible. And the Father grieves. And he broke his heart. And maybe you've helped anger and bitterness towards God and it's hard for you to bring your heart to him because he's the one you're mad at but he invites you to come because he loves you and to pray this prayer with all the faith that you can muster up and even if it is just a mustard seed He'll hear it. Can we put that prayer up, please? That's the second slide, the first one, please. Thank you. Father, I confess that I have sinned against you by holding unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart against, and I want you to name the person or the people. Just quietly, silently in your heart. Just give you a moment to do that. Let's continue. I repent of my sin and renounce every foothold that I have given the devil in this area of my life. Please forgive me. And release me from any bondage that has come into my life through my pain as I forgive and release. Name the person again. And the people. Continue. For the wrong that they have done to me. Now tell God what those things are. Let's continue. I give you my feelings of pain, hurt, anger, and grief. Please heal me and empower me by your Spirit to continue to walk in forgiveness towards those who have hurt me. I thank you that through Jesus, I can be released, restored, and set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. Father, I pray that you'll continue the work that you've begun today. As we go from here, may your peace, your love, and your joy overflow in the midst of our pain. That we might see your cross more and more clearly as we leave this place. Because it's only in Jesus that we can be free.